Can you say amen? Oh, I feel Jesus in this place today. I looked over at my sister and I said, that's why I don't drink anymore. I just drink the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, just take another drink. Amen. It's free. I don't think some of you understand what I'm saying. I said it's free. You can drink the Holy Spirit in. Drink. 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 It's yours. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. How much do you want? Do you want just a little? Do you want a lot? I mean, you just tell them how much you want. And, and, you know, you can take a posture. You can have many different postures when you drink, you know. You can drink on your knees. You can say, Jesus, I'm here. I'm going to drink right here. Now, those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about drinking, we're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says we do that through worship. You can do that on your knees. You can just say, God, I want your presence. I am hooked on the presence of God. You can do it laying down. You can dance all across this church. You can run. You can jump. You can shout. But you just need to get in it. You need to receive it. I don't think you believe me, honestly. I honestly don't. I mean, I'm just hearing the response of people responding to me, talking about drinking in the Lord, and it's like, you don't seem to believe it very much. I think if we believed it, we would just be excited about God all the time. I don't think that we have quite got it yet. That's why we're here. You know, there's 20,000 churches all in this city, and I'm not saying we're the only one. I wouldn't ever be that prideful. There's many. We have a pastor's daughter here, Evie. Her, her church loves God, going after God. I was so blessed at their camp. And I mean, dude, we're only like at the fourth of the way right now compared to the service I went to over there. It was like five hours. I don't think we get it. Let me just give you some illustrations, and then you just, you just decide what you want tonight, okay? Have you ever been sick for a couple of hours? Anybody here? Ever had the flu? Ever had a cold? But have you ever been in the presence of God for a few hours? Have you ever been in His glory to the point you couldn't even stand? I mean, think about it. We'll, we'll, we'll tolerate sickness. Not think it's strange. I'm sick. I'm in bed. I feel sick. I feel sick. How do you feel, Bob? I feel sick. Next day, how do you feel? I feel sick. I'm going to lay in bed today. But when was the last time you just hung out with Jesus and said, I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. How do you feel, Bob? I feel Jesus. See, I don't think we get it a lot of the times. I think we miss it. I think we get so consumed with what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, and some other sense, touch, that we forget we're spirits, we're souls. Do you know that Adam and Eve lived with God and they didn't even know they were naked? They didn't wear Giorgio Romani, however you say that, they didn't wear Gucci. Let me give you another illustration. I don't think we got it. I think that's why we need tonight. I think that tonight's not the pinnacle. I think tonight's the beginning. I don't think tonight's the ceiling where we say, we've reached the heights. Here we are. I think today's the floor. I'm going to say that again. I don't think we've reached the heights like, 
Well, we've done it now. We've worshipped God for an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, wow. There, woo, we're up in the seventh heaven. I, I, I honestly think, you know, comparison, we're living down here in this world full of trash and muck and mire and gross sin. I think all we did is just gone like this. And then God is saying, here's the Sears Tower. Do you want, do you want more? Do you want more? I mean, do you? Really, I'm just asking you, honestly, do you want more? I want more. I want more. I don't think there's anything else that compares to God. I'm hooked. I've tried religion too, by the way. You know, some of these other churches that we used to go to. I've tried religion. I don't want that. You know, it's, it's like going to the restaurant and them handing you a menu saying, this is our food. And you're like, no, this is just a menu. But they say, no, this is our food. And you're like, no, this is a menu. And they say, well, we don't really serve the food. We just talk about it here. That's what religion is. It's just talking about God. Oh, God did this way back when. He hung out with this guy named Moses. Oh, isn't that cool? Oh, yeah, he actually split the Red Sea. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he can't even heal a cold today, so don't ask him. And you won't feel him much either. Though he used to shake mountains, you probably won't feel him much, you know. I think we forgot that there's more. You know, I've been studying the Christians of the first and second and third century. What Nancy is saying is so true. When, you know, these first disciples became disciples, they were not convinced by arguments. And as a matter of fact, I think I'll go as far to guess that most of you probably are here because you're not convinced by an argument. You have an experience. I sat down with my mother at the kitchen table November 5th, 1995. It's almost going to be 13 years now. I tried to have an argument with her. You can ask her. I asked her about Buddha. I asked her about Muhammad. This was her argument back to me. I don't know about them, but I know Jesus. And if you call on him, you'll feel him. You'll know he's real. Well, you know, we're taught that it's not all about feelings, and that's true. But when these early Christians fell in love with God, who did they fall in love with? Was it like Zeus was here, and then Jesus was here, and it's just kind of like, oh, Jesus has a better story, so I fall in love with this statue, this cross, this story? Or did they honestly believe that Jesus was in their midst? Why would they pray every day? Did you know what they prayed every day? The Bible says they prayed every day. We hold a prayer meeting. It's the smallest meeting in our church. And we're supposed to be radical. We hold a prayer meeting. It's hard to get people there on time. I'm just talking about us right now, okay? It's hard to get people there on time. It's hard to get people to stay longer than normal. We just think of ourselves as, as more or less doing a duty. Like, have you prayed today? Yes, I've prayed. Have you brushed your teeth? Yes, I've brushed my teeth. Did you change the oil in your car? Yes, I did that. And we just, you know, we just think that that's how it is. But what if he was our best friend? Let me ask you another question. How much time do you spend with the one you love? An hour? Do you, do you say to your husband and wife, okay, here it is. This is how our marriage is going to work. 
I'm going to spend one hour with you a week. That's what we're going to do in this relationship. The other 167 hours in the week, I'm going to spend with another person of the opposite sex. Do we do that? Do we call that marriage? But yet we'll live in this world. We'll be entertained by this world. We'll have friends in this world. And then we'll say to God, like, God, you fit in to this little box I call church. And when I'm there, that's when I hang out with you. And maybe I might make time for you throughout the week. And that's because I really need something now. And I expect you to do it because I made time for you. Isn't that what most of us, come on, have thought about Christianity or seen? It's what I see. I don't see people really living Christian Christian life. Ish and I were talking about it the other day. You know, there's no difference between us saying today we're Christians, the majority of people, and those out in the world. What's the difference? They, they take their children to Walt Disney World. They believe in fairy tales for a few weeks. People come to church for a few hours. They believe in their quote-unquote fairy tale. People teach their children to be good. Listen to me, parents. Most of you as parents probably would prefer a good kid over a godly kid. Good kid stays out of trouble. Good kid doesn't tell lies. Good kid does good in school, does his homework, doesn't back talk. Let me tell you what a godly kid does. A godly kid goes to your DVDs, finds the ones that aren't good, and throws them away. See, most people just want good kids. They don't want godly kids. Godly kids wake up in the morning and say, let's pray before we go to school. You see, what we want is this good kids. And see, we call that religion. Oh, are you religious? Yes, I go to church. I go to this one. I go to this one. I go to that one. And then we all sit here and we sit with our menus and we point to our favorite food. Well, I like this about my religion and I like this about my church and I like this and and, and we're just starving. Until we come to a place like this today where we kind of like want it to be about Jesus. And it's like shucks. Like some people are like, ah, I really wanted to see the play. And I could just imagine me taking Paul here, you know, when we were doing the playing. And I'm not talking about anybody else but myself. I'm learning. See, I can't pretend I don't hear from God and keep doing the same things over and over again. God actually talks to me and says, hey, don't do that. Why don't you do this? And I'm just thinking to myself, hey, wouldn't that be something? I take Paul and I bring him to the play. And he's like, what are we going to do? Are we going to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, win souls? No, we're going to watch a pretend Jesus, white, blonde hair, blue eye, come from out there with a crown on his head. I could just imagine Paul going, you mean Jesus is going to come from there? And then we talked about this last night. You know, and then all of a sudden if there was another pastor there, he, he might say to Paul, Paul, you, you know, you got it wrong. You don't want to go to Joe's church and see the Jesus come out from the back. You want to come to my church because we have Jesus come down from the raptors. He floats down. Ooh. And I, and I could just, you know, another pastor walks in, oh, you think that's something. Well, we hired Hollywood pyrotechnics, and when Jesus comes out the grave, there's an explosion, the stone rolls away. And I could just imagine Paul going, okay, but when do we actually worship Jesus? We'll watch that play for two hours, but when do we actually worship Him? When do we actually invite the risen Lord and Savior to come with His power? I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me about how great, 
you know, their church was. And they were telling me all the things that they liked about their church. And these were the things that they, they told me they liked about their church. They liked the music. They liked the color of the building. They liked the fact that their children could play games in the building. They liked the fact that the pastor kept the sermon short and was really motivational and told funny stories. I then asked them, I said, when does your pastor cast out devils? When does your pastor pray for the sick? When does he invite Jesus to come in? When do we do that? And then we count on our hands here, you know, well, you know, these are the times that I've done that. You know, well, I've been to that one meeting where they prayed for the sick, and that one time I went on a mission trip, and that, and that one time, you know, we, we went out and did great things for God, and every now and then I go out witnessing, and we, we do that. But is that Christian life? Honestly. I mean, is that what Jesus Christ died for? Today, we're here. We need to make a decision to go up there. That's it. Obviously, today there's nobody in a wheelchair. So how do we get people in wheelchairs healed? You go out and pray for them. This is not the city of Chicago. How do we reach the city of Chicago? You go out there and reach them. I join you. And we begin to say to ourselves, I want Jesus. I want to ask you another question. Have you ever watched TV before? That thing? TV? You ever heard of it? How many have heard of it? You ever watched it? An hour? Probably in your whole life. Ever watched it for an hour? Two hours? Three hours. Come on. They say the average American spends between 20 to 40 hours watching TV and entertaining themselves on the computer 20 to 40 hours. If they were getting paid, they could probably buy a new house. You know what I'm talking about because you do it. You're the ones that they're interviewing. It's me. It's you. When was the last time we said, I spent 20 hours with God? Nancy said it so clearly. It's so simple. This little snapshot of time tonight is a good judgment of your heart. If it's difficult to worship Him, if it's difficult to sing your own song to Him, if it's difficult to be with Him for just a few hours, I mean, come on, we all saw Batman, right? I mean, Batman was three hours. We started at seven. Not another hour before we even get to where the Joker blows up the bus and all that. We thought he was done, but it was a trick. We got a lot to go left in the show. Hello? But you know what I said before? I got to say it again. You know what Hollywood does in this world? Hollywood takes the lie and tells it good. And we'll sit and watch it for three hours. They'll tell that lie so good, we'll believe it. Oh, look at the Joker. Look at Batman. Oh, that's so cool. That lie, it's a lie. We don't believe it. We know it's not true. That lie will be told so good, we'll believe it. But we will tell the truth so badly, nobody will believe it. We'll tell it so badly that people won't even believe it. 
We had a woman even come by yesterday. The examples don't stop. Came by yesterday. Well, I was told from my friend that there was a play here. I want to come for the play. Our children's worker says to her, there's not a play. There's a service, and Jesus is there. She said, I don't feel like going there. I'm going to stay in here with my child. She wanted to stay in the nursery. The nursery worker's telling her, this is not for your children. There's no more play. I mean, thanks for coming. But it's a service. You, want, you need to go in there. She says, well, I heard about another church down the road. They're doing a festival. I want to bring my kids there. And then we wonder why our kids don't know anything about Jesus. Let's just give them some more candy. I'm not saying anything wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with those things by themselves. I'm, I'm not saying that. But, but, but if that's all we do, I guarantee you if I went around and I began to ask people why they go to church, what they find in their church, what's, what's in their church, they would say the same things. I like the children's pastor. I like the songs we sing. I like the color of our carpet. I like this church because it's next to my house. If you ask them, like, how many of you actually meet Jesus there? How many of you talk to Jesus? How many of you feel Jesus? How many of you see miracles? How many of you see the God of the Bible? My friends, we're telling the truth badly. So that now we walk around and we say, hey, guess what? We're going to have a service. And here's the catch. Jesus is going to come. No! Knock it out of here! Come on, there's got to be a catch. You're going to feed me, right? We're going to have a food fast, and then, you know, then you're going to tell me your little Jesus thing. So come on, we're coming to church because I'm going to eat something. No, no, no catch. Well, come on, you, you mean, there's got to be a play. You've got to have this production, you know, Jesus from the rapture, the raptors. No? Well, you know, you've got to have a choir, right? I mean, you're going to have a singer, and she's going to sing. I mean, and we're all going to clap and then let them worship for us while we pretend we're worshiping, but we don't really worship. We just let them sing. No, we're not going to do that. This is what we're going to do. We're going to let Jesus come. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go trick-or-treating. Oh, I don't want that. We, we are, as a culture, like that fool. The Bible says that trades his soul for the things of this world. Like a fool. Sure, I'll give my soul up for this. Sure, I'll give my soul up for this. And we just trade our soul for the things of this world. And yet when we're honestly given the time to give it back to God, we're like, no, I want my soul to be with the world. I want my soul to be captivated by the things of this world. Which, by the way, I want to be honest with you, 70 years from now, no one's going to care what job you had, what car you drove, where you live, how many kids you had. Let me just help you with that. Hello? People say, well, I live for my family, Pastor. And I always say this, and you in the church know this. I say to the people who, who think family's what it's all about, I say, do you know who your great-great-granddad is? No. You're going to be forgotten just like that dude was. Wake up! We need to stop telling the truth badly. There were some people here last, healed last night. People were healed. People have seen demons cast out in this church. I remember one time I was in church, and my friend and I, we were hanging out, and all of a sudden we got a knock on the door, and we went and answered. It was around 12 a.m. at night, 
And there was this guy, he was drunk, and we answered it, and we let him in, and we said, come on in, dude, what's going on? He said, man, I got some problems. We began to pray for him. This guy fell out on the floor and began withering and slithering like a snake right in front of us. Now, we had been so excited. We were excited about that because we were waiting for the demons to come. My upstairs neighbors, who I'm believing to come and get saved, actually open up their homes and their hearts to spirits. They put out little offerings for them. I was just tempted to tell them, yo, before the spirit comes to you, tell them to come visit me first. Just tell them to come pop right down there for a minute. I want to talk to them real quick. Because we were all excited, man. We wanted, we had never seen demons cast out before. So here this person is slithering like a snake right on the floor. We jumped right on top of that man. In the name of Jesus, get out, get out, get out. And in a moment, that man was set free from demons, got up and began to praise God. But that seemed like, like that was not the norm. We didn't see it that much. Some of you were here in that youth service. We talked about it yesterday. It's a few, few months ago, that young lady. She comes right up here. I'm going to repeat it for some of you who weren't here. She comes to the service. We're going to pray for her. We're praying little soft music in the background. Little soft music. We're praying for her. All of a sudden, she starts laughing. <laughs> The little girl starts laughing. <laughs> starts laughing. You were there. You saw it. All of a sudden, I was like, man, turn down the music. I think we might got one here. We start praying for her. And then she says, you mother effer. And she cusses us out in front of everybody. Starts screaming. Two men, David, you remember it, had to hold her. She's going everywhere. Screaming. And el nombre Jesucristo, come out! And she was set free from four demons. Why don't we see that more? Which, by the way, the week after that, Ricky and Ish can testify that I wanted every person almost to have a demon so I could cast it out. So every person that came up to the altar call, it was Satan, loose them. I don't know if I have Satan inside of me, Pastor. Loose them, loose them, loose them. You're a liar, devil. You're a liar. Come out, come out, come out. I know you're hiding in there. No, really, Pastor, it's okay. I love Jesus. We need to get hungry for God to move. We need to get hungry for His presence. We need to get used to worship. We need to get used to prayer. We need to get used to witnessing. We need to get used to the supernatural. We need to invite God into our services. It's not about us. It's about Him and He'll take care of the rest. Amen? If you believe it, say amen. Open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew. That was the introduction. See, this is revival services when we really get to bring it. Come on, if your pastor can get up tomorrow early and preach another sermon and do all that, you can do it. I'm glad to see my family here and friends and those who have been invited. Thank you for coming. We take this seriously, and we also want you to know that you are always welcome here. And like I said, I'm asking you and I'm asking the whole congregation, do you want this? Do you want the Lord? Do we want to get so... Oh, like the only word I can think of is right now. It's like inebriated with him that nothing else will do. One last question before we get to this text. If you were sitting at a restaurant and I offered you a plastic hamburger, would you prefer that or the real hamburger? 
Religion's that plastic hamburger. Can we all want the real hamburger? Can you all do me a favor tomorrow? Those that don't even come to this church, you go to other churches, let's just all do this tomorrow. We can make a difference, people. Let's just do this tomorrow. And those that come here, come on. Let's all show up tomorrow, not for the plastic hamburger. Let's all show up for the real hamburger. Whenever we come back to church after that, should the Lord tarry, as the Muslims say, inshallah, if the Lord wills, when we go to church Wednesday or Friday, when we ever walk in this place, can we say again, I'm coming for the hamburger? Now let me ask you a question about this hamburger now, because it's here. It's not plastic. It's sitting at your table. Let me ask you one more question. If you were starving and you were with your friend and your friend did not want to eat a hamburger, would that prevent you from eating the hamburger? You would still eat it, right? What if your friend was a vegetarian and didn't like hamburgers? Would that prevent you? What if they went in so far to hate hamburgers? Would that prevent you if you were starving? Don't let anybody stop you going from God. Going for God. Go for God. I don't care if three people go for God. You go for God. Get your full of God, your fill of God. Let us all get our fill of God. I'm not worried about what the church down the road is not is doing and is not doing. We're going to get our fill here. Amen? We're saying to Jesus, serve up that hamburger. Bring it here. And I want it till I can't eat anymore. Just pour it all on me, Jesus. Just give it to me till it just comes down running all over me. Come on, somebody. We wouldn't let anybody stop us. We would start eating that. We would eat that at Os Concondules. We would eat that pork chop. We would eat that lasagna. We wouldn't care. We would get so hungry. We need to get hungry for God. Get hungry for God. I'm going to say it again. Get hungry for God. Just get hungry for Him. Want Him. He Himself said, I'm the bread of life. He Himself said, I am the river of living water. If anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He Himself said, I satisfy. He said it. I didn't write that there. He said it. Let us get hungry and go for God. If you're in Matthew, go to Matthew chapter 10. And when you're there, please say, I'm there. Take your time. I'm waiting for you. Matthew chapter 10. It's time for us to get hungry for God. Why would we do it any other way? Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 says, He called His twelve disciples to Him and He gave them authority to sing in the best choirs, to have the best televangelist shows, and to raise their family as good boys and girls who say yes, sir, and no, ma'am, in life. Is that what it says He gave them the power to do? He gave them the power to write books that would talk about His Word. And those books would cost fourteen ninety nine. And He gave them the power to gain wealth from selling these books. What has happened to us in the church? Can I just expose the lie of the devil just for a minute here? How is it we have pastors and pimps selling the messages? Could you just imagine Jesus saying that? Okay, John, before you write that down in your gospel, it's going to be fourteen ninety five per per paragraph. Or you know what? You can be a subscriber and you can get it for ten ninety five. Have we all failed at that as pastors? Yes, I have too. But I'm starting to wake up to this. How does that happen? We're going to take the free word of God, the free revelation of God, and then we're going to sell it and give it, you know, give, give it at a price. And then we make idols out of these, these people. 
And, and we talked a little bit about that, why that happens, and I'll tell you why it happens. It's because we would rather have an idol than have Jesus. Because if they sing for us, we're happy because we don't have to sing. If they preach for us, then we don't have to preach. You see what I'm saying? Come on. It gets a little quiet, but that's okay. So we make these idols and we say, you do it for us. I'll even pay you to do it. Because I don't want to do it myself. David didn't say somebody else worship for me. David worshiped for himself. The apostles didn't say, hey, would somebody go out and preach for me? No, they preached for themselves. The Bible doesn't say that they were given power and authority to build big churches, to have nice suits and make a bunch of money. The Bible says he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Can we get back to this? I'm just asking, can we get back to this? Is there anybody here that wants to ask God for some authority? Some authority to cast out demons. Some authority to heal the sick. Some authority to make, to make a difference in people's lives. These are the names of the twelve. Put your name alongside of them if that's your prayer. Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who believed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Somebody say, sent out. We made the church a museum. We made the church this pristine organization where we define our Christianity based upon the building, the clergy, the, the songs, and we say, this is our Christianity. No, if you would have talked to a disciple, they would have been like, Boomba, demon get out, that's my Christianity. Oh, y'all didn't get that. They would say to somebody in a wheelchair, get up and walk, that's my Christianity. Do you know that for the first 300 years, they didn't even have buildings? For the first 300 years, they met in homes. Let me tell you how it went. We're going to get to it in just a second. But they showed up at somebody's house. Knock, knock. Hello, what's going on? I've come to tell you about Jesus. Okay, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. They would tell the person about Jesus. The person would then say, in other words, where's your church? Where are we meeting? The person would say, your house. Now is church. When I leave, you will continue to have church. When we come back, we'll have church again together. Oh, y'all don't get that. Come on, i got to get that in your mind. They didn't have buildings. They didn't say, like, let's go to church. They were like, we are the church. When the church is on the streets, there's the church. When the church is at work, there's the church. When the church is in their family, there's the church. When more church members get together, that's a bigger church. Come on, two, three, four. It didn't matter. There's a bigger church. They were sent out. Come on, somebody say sent out. Now let's see what Jesus told them to do. The, the 12 disciples were sent out with these instructions. Start a televangelist ministry with a nice suit and tie. Is that what it says? I know. I'm just going to put it in your head till you just, like, just get so sick of what we've been seeing that you'll have it no other way except the right way. Amen? He said, go out with these instructions. Bring hot dogs and a grill. Children's toys and games, a puppet ministry, and then ask the children of the inner city to come and get their face painted. We're talking about ourselves here. Come on. I love that. We'll help people. I'm nothing against that. We're going to get this third storefront. We're going to have a community center. We always will love people. But when it came down to the business 
of the church, the business of preaching the gospel, the business of having authority. Is that what he said? Now, why would we do it any other way? Ish and I were talking about this last night after service, and like Ish and I are like deep philosophical thinkers, and we're just trying to figure this out. Now, why would we do it any other way? The thing that comes to my mind is stupidity, foolishness, pride, rebellion. You can say amen anytime. Laziness. Well, because if I bring out the hot dogs and grill and Barney the Clown and the face painting and I do all of that, well, then I don't have to really preach a whole lot. Then I'll just come and help the church hand out the hot dog. And if I handed out the hot dog, that's just like the same as preaching the gospel. We all did our part. There we go. Shikaboomba. Put a little check next to my name. I did it. Right? I mean, you guys probably don't remember this because it's kind of passed as a fad, but there used to be the fad, put a Christian bumper sticker on your car. There it is. Follow these instructions. Buy a Christian bumper sticker. Put it on your car. Tell everybody as you're cutting them off how much you love Jesus. Oh, you crazy guy. Oh, he loves Jesus. Oh, Lord, I love you because that person cut me off and showed me the bumper sticker that you were real. People used to buy those Christian t-shirts, you know. Hey, I love Jesus. You know, ask me where I'm going when I die. And that's like, that's their witnessing. Is that what Jesus said? He said these were their instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. That means he told them to go to a specific people group. It wasn't time for us yet. It was only time for the Jews there. Now, verse 6, he says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. So we got to preach. Somebody say preach. Now, is that where it stops? There's a lot of good preaching, right? There's a lot of good preaching. But is that where it stops? He says, no, preach. And now here's the demonstration. The Bible says, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. So we preach and then we act. Preach, then we act. Preach, and then we act. Preach, and then we do. Paul said it's never just about talk. It's never just about us talking about it. He says the Greeks do that, and they're better at it than we are. And the Romans, they've been at their pagan religion for so long. they got story after story after story. Gilgamesh, Zeus, and, you know, the Trojan horse. they got all these stories. No, he's, Paul said it's not talk. It's Power! It's demonstration. Jesus is here. Here's the proof. Get up out that wheelchair. Satan, loose them and let them go. Come on, leprosy. Get out in Jesus' name. Skin be whole. That's the proof of the gospel. That's your proof. It's my proof. In an atheistic world that doesn't believe anymore, we need to show them tonight is the night. Tomorrow, if we live to see it, it's tomorrow. Every single day, let us decide the revolution starts now. We want Jesus. We're hungry for Jesus. We're a radical generation. We are already crazy. You already believe Peter walked on water, that Jonah was in the belly of a whale, that Moses split the Red Sea. Can you just believe now just one more thing? God can use you to heal and raise the dead and cast out demons. Come on, somebody. I just want half of a church, a fourth of a church, just four or five of you to get it with me today, and let's go out and do it. I would rather, I would rather talk about it and do my best to display it and nothing happen.
I would rather go up to the person in the wheelchair, say, come on, let's get up, get up in Jesus' name, and nothing happened than for me never to talk about it and pretend it doesn't exist. I'm going to say that again. I would rather spend my life giving it the best shot I know than to just say, well, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pray for the sick. I'm not going to talk to people about Jesus setting them free. I'm not going to try to make a difference. I would rather try and fail than not try at all. You have got to get over the fear of failure. We've got to get over the fear of what if they don't get out the wheelchair? What if the demons don't come out? What if somebody doesn't come to church? So what? We tried. We did it. We gave it all we had. We, we went back to school and prayed. Girls, you've got to do that. That's got to be your decision. Every single one of us will do it. And we know, God, that we know he won't let us down. You've already seen it in this church. And all it took was us beginning to ask God. And we know there's so much more. He said, do that, cast out demons, heal the sick. Now look at this next thing. It says, freely you have received. Now charge it by the pound. Is that what he says? I'm not treating you like you're unintelligent today. I know that you're intelligent. I'm not even trying to be really that sarcastic. I just want to show you how foolish it looks like. Are you with me? I don't have a problem with people in churches receiving donations. That's biblical. The Bible says let people give. Let them give their tithe. Let them give free will offerings. But where in the world did we ever get the idea this is the price tag for the gospel? I will never know. And this thing just blows my mind, and I'll say it every night we have this this time of revival because I want to get so deep in your hearts. How could we ever have a conference in Christianity that we charge money for people to come on in? Conferences. I know a woman that went to, goes to a wonderful church. I love the pastor. I love the people. I'm so glad for them. I, I really love them. And she was telling me, oh, man, my pastor's got this conference. You're going to love this conference. It's about missions, and it's about reaching the world, and there's a lot of pastors coming, and, and I want you to come there. I said, wonderful. Okay, when is it? She says, okay, uh, let me send this thing to you by email. And I got this thing by email, and it said, okay, pre-registration is 125 but after pre-registration, it's 150 now, you might say, Pastor, would you pay for anything else of value? You should pay for this. It's a value. You pay to go to school. I understand that, but this is not what we do for the gospel. This is not what you do when you want to train other pastors. Oh, yeah, a man is worthy of his hire. Well, let me just start off with this. If I'm going there to learn from that pastor, the first thing I want to learn from that pastor is faith. And if that man doesn't have faith for God to pay his bills, there ain't nothing else he's going to teach me. Because in this church, I need faith every month to pay our bills. So if the first thing i got to learn from this guy is how to be a swindler and a a huckster and to be a hustler, then we just disconnected the mentorship right there. Like if step one of the mentorship is I've got to pay to be in that thing, I'm like, well, I ain't going to work with me because I know it's just not going to pay $50 to come to the door to hear me preach every week. We just lost the connection. And not only that, but it's unbiblical. Freely you've received. Freely give. Go to our website. Download anything you want. Our books, our sermons. I'm going to seminary right now so that I can freely give even education. I will do whatever it takes. But especially the gospel, especially the preaching, especially the things of the ministry. It should be free. Everybody say F-R-E, free. Verse number 9 says, don't take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. How many know most pastors couldn't go then? Because they couldn't leave it alone. I'm just going to talk about us first, and we're going to get to you second, okay? Pastors got to go in their jets, got to go in their cars, got to go with their fancy suits, got to go with four armor bearers, acting like they need more security than the president. Hello? 
And the only reason why they need all that security is because they flaunt their money. They flaunt it. Does the Bible say bring all that with you? Does the Bible even say for people like us who love our band and love worship, does the Bible say bring your worship band, bring your singers, bring all of this? Is that what it says? It says bring nothing. Everybody say bring nothing. Now talk about yourself. When you say, when we say to you join a ministry, are you willing to come with nothing? Or do you come with all your expectations? You see, you may not get paid to do ministry, but let me tell you the temptation that lay people have. People like yourself, you know what your temptation is? Is to come with all these expectations. You want to bring all these things with you. Well, if I serve, i got to be this position and do that. If I'm going to be in the worship team, i got to play the drums. If I'm going to be in the youth ministry, I have to do this and that. Are you willing just to come with nothing and just say, I'll serve? I got free. Jesus gave it to me for free. Now I give it away for free. Let's leave it all alone. Come just with Jesus. Amen. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff for the worker is worthy his keep. Now watch this. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his home until, um, until you leave. As you leave his home, give your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust off your feet. And when you leave that home or town, I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. You and I need to set out on a journey and just start preaching Jesus everywhere we go. Don't bring anything with you to bribe people. You don't have to bribe them to come to church. You know that as Nancy and I were driving today to go to our uh, baby shower, we saw three groups of Jehovah Witnesses. Seriously, the first group was in our neighborhood. Then the other group was somewhere around Cumberland. And then there was another group just on the side of the road, whatever street that was on, just a group right there. Now this cult, and it is a cult by definition because it disagrees with sound Christian doctrine, this cult does not have any musical instruments, does not have any children's programs, does not have any free food giveaways, does not even have a mission. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have all those things. I think those things have their place. But this church doesn't have any of that. They have a strict dress code. They even go out on Saturdays in suits. That's how crazy they are with their dress code. I mean, that's just unbelievable to me, but that's what they do. No bribe, no gimmick. It's just, here's the watchtower. If you're interested in coming, come. In the last hundred years, there's now 10 million of them. 10 million Jehovah Witnesses. 10 million. You look at the statistics in Christianity, Christianity is declining. Christianity has gone down about 10 to 15%. By some numbers, other numbers say we've gone down 20% in the last 15 years. 15% is a lot of people. We're going down in percentage, and these cults are going up. Islam does the same thing. I'm not saying these people are honest. I'm not saying that they're right. I'm just saying that they are deceiving people just by their religion alone. And here Christianity has the biggest churches we ever have. We have mega churches. We have churches with bowling alleys. We have all of these things, but we don't have real believism, and we don't have real Christianity growing. Islam right now is converting around 300,000 post-Christian people in America. That means they used to be Christian, and now they're Islamic. And this is not people from other countries. These are American-born people, 300,000. 
There is over 10 million of them just in uh, Washington, D.C. alone. I think it was like in the 1970s, there's only two mosques. Right now, there's over 40 just in Washington. In Chicago, we have one of the largest Islamic populations in the nation. You didn't even know it. And they're not even bribing. They're not saying come. They tell their women to wear hijabs. They tell them to wear headscarves. They get on the floor on a carpet and they kneel to a pagan idol in Mecca called the Kabbalah, a black stone. They tell their people to fast during the month of Ramadan. They will not eat or drink from sunrise to sunset for the whole month of September. They're told not to eat pork. They're told that they can't drink alcohol. They even are told who to marry and how to marry in many of these cultures. And you've heard the stories. And some of them even believe in terrorism. And they're not sitting around going, spiritually, I'll give my life for my belief. No, they're strapping bombs on themselves and they're giving their life for their beliefs. They've told the lie good. And we've told the lie bad. It's time for us to change. It's time for us to start telling the story better. Here's how it starts. It starts with you getting hungry for God. It starts with God being in your life. And it's not a gimmick. It's not a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Saturday night, amen. It's a real life decision. It's amen, I'm with it, I'm with it. Jesus, I want you, I need you, I love you, I pray to you, I follow you. That's what it is. It's not just one day a week, it's seven days a week, it's 24-7. If you sin, you repent. If your heart is grieved, you repent. You turn away from sin and you get on fire for God. And then you begin to burn and you begin to have a passion. And you'll see people around you, co-workers, your friends, your neighbors, the people in this city. You'll begin to pray for them. You'll see miracles. You'll see demons cast out. You'll see lost souls saved. You will see what the Bible said we would see if we all do it. Amen? My mom and dad are a witness to this better than anything else. Rachel, would you come as I finish right here? My parents are a better example of this than anything else. They saw one person get saved. One person. And I'm not trying to say I'm Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul up here. I'm just giving an example. Just something we all can point to to be an example to you. My parents saw one person get saved. Kitchen table. The lights didn't flicker. An angel didn't come down from heaven and pronounce the blessing of that day. I bless you. But my heart was so changed because I saw the miracle of salvation, which is the biggest miracle. I called on Jesus and He came. And I always... Leave it there. And my dad gets a little hurt because I don't tell the rest of the story. But there in the living room, my dad prayed for me and cast out evil spirits and wickedness out of my heart. And I felt it leave. I don't know what they felt, but I know I felt it leave. And I felt the Holy Spirit come and baptize me. And I began to speak in other tongues. And that was the day it started for me. Have I been perfect since then? Well, kind of. No, I'm kidding. Just a little bit close. No, have I been perfect? No. But what did I say? I said, God, here's my life. I'm a match. Set me on fire. I want to burn for you. Thirteen years later, here we are. Look at you. You're sitting here listening to a man burning for Jesus. People will listen to you. If you're listening to me, I'm telling you, I was crazy. You wouldn't want to listen to me. But you listen to me now. People will listen to you, Ish. People will listen to you, Robin. People just want to see that match burning. And if it's real, they'll listen. 
Now we read the stories of the Bible. Not everybody got healed because some people just didn't want to believe. We talked about that last week. Some people, no, don't want it. End game, shut off, quit. I don't want it, it's over. Yeah, that's going to happen. But you know what? You're going to meet people who do want it. And you're going to see lives begin to change. And eventually, David, you're going to begin to see other people's lives change. It's not going to be just you and a handful of people in a small group. Am I right, Dad, to say that? It's not going to be just him after a while, is it? Do you know that the Christian church was martyred for almost 250 years? Fed to lions. Set on fire. Families. Exactly what Nancy was saying. That's what I'm studying right now. Very true. Do you know that eventually the Christian empire, we'll call it that, the Christian movement, probably a better word, overcame the Roman Empire? We now today have the Roman Catholic Church as a result of that, which we don't totally agree with. But it was because they couldn't kill us. They couldn't stop us. One died, like like the old saying, we don't die, we multiply. They would kill, like think about the Bible, they killed Stephen, then they went out and and preached the gospel even more, hundred took his place. They would then go find those hundred, they would kill them, a thousand would take their place. They would find those thousand, they would start to persecute, but then ten thousand would come up. And over the years it just kept happening, and the church kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. And the miracles were happening, people didn't have doctors to go to, and cancers were being healed, and and lives were being changed. And, And it just was the movement of the church. It's we live and die for Jesus. They understood that being a Christian actually cost them their jobs. So there wasn't even a competition in their mind between the job and Jesus because they already knew when they signed on for Jesus it was illegal in the Roman Empire and that meant now they can be arrested and lose everything. So you know when it came down to go to work or church on days that conflicted, they said, i got to go to church because they're going to kill me anyway. And I'm not saying they were irresponsible. They were in all places of government. They were Roman soldiers. They were business owners. They were tax collectors. They were in all different places. But they said, we put God first. And the Bible uh, begins to record this in Hebrews. And it says that they began to lay down their life. And some of them went and hid in caves. But, but the gospel kept getting preached. And then when your book of Revelations ends in 70 A.D., you can begin to read the church fathers like Clement, Ignatius, Polycarp, and Tertullian. And you can begin to read their stories. And they begin to to say things like this. I need to die for Jesus so I can show the world that I love Jesus. They begin to say things like this. I'll give it all up so that someone else can come with me. And, and it says in history that Roman soldiers would be massacring two or three hundred in one day. And, and when certain Roman soldiers would begin to get converted. They would begin to come to Christ because they would see these people singing songs as they're burning at stakes. And the church flourished. It grew. The estimates are by the time of 313 A.D. that there was over a million Christians. 300,000 Christians alone were in Rome. And it was illegal! A million. From one to a million. In just a couple hundred years. That's without any technology. But the moment in 313 that a man named Constantine had a vision and he saw a cross and he said, I'll make Christianity legal. They became comfortable. They became secular. They became a part of the culture. They used to be cross-culture. They used to go against culture. They didn't fit in with everybody else. They were outcasts. But when it became legal, they began to get comfortable. And I want to tell you something. We as Christians used to know what it was like to pray and to fight and to go against things. But now in our own nation, we allow abortion to come in. And we've lost 25, 35 
5 million babies. We've allowed things to come in like homosexuality. We've allowed things to come in corruption. We've allowed that to happen. And we, we forgot what it was like to fight, but we used to know what it was like to fight. The Christian movement is not here today because it looked like this 2,000 years ago. It's here today because 2,000 years ago they died for it. And there was a time in America where they founded our country upon the freedom of religion. And they preached the gospel all up and down what we know now as the Bible Belt. The second great awakening happened at the hands of John Wesley, Charles uh, Charles Wesley, Jonathan Edwards. People would preach for God. They would give their whole life for it. They would see miracles. They would see the power of God. A hundred years ago, there was a one-eyed black man in a place called Azusa Street. And he said, I just want God. I'm tired of religion. The Holy Spirit came down in a horse stable. And they had church for five years. Every single day of the week. They didn't have an order of service. It was open almost 24 hours a day. People would come in, sing songs. People would get healed. People would prophesy. And just to give you an idea, now there's over four or 500 million Pentecostals because we're growing in other parts of the world. But we forgot what it was like to fight for it here. Here, right here. Do you want to go out? Do you want to do this? Do you want to get hungry? Do you want to lay hands on people? Do you want to cast out devils? Do you want to go to church tomorrow and see Jesus show up? If we should worship God for three hours, are you going to get tired? Or are you just going to say, I came here hungry. I came here for my hamburger and I will get filled. Would you stand up with me, please? We're going to open up our altars right now as we begin to worship God. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, join us up at this altar right now, just on your knees. And let's begin to repent for sin. The Bible says that sinners need to be born again in the presence of a holy God, and you can do that right now.
number three, if you don't get healed, it doesn't mean that you stop. It just is for his glory in a different way. Amen? So let's not get discouraged, but I'm going to believe it for it right now. One more time. We want to hear that voice. Come back. Give back the voice in Jesus' name to this praise and worshiper. In the name of Jesus. Now, did you come here with any pain of any kind? The voice is gone. Okay, we're going to believe it to recover. You want to give God glory? You believe it? I have fever throughout the week, but it's gone. Amen. We're going to believe that that comes back in Jesus' name. Amen. What can we pray with you about, sister? I know you've been fighting different sicknesses. What's going on? Bronchitis. I've been fighting it for three weeks now. Is that the one that you went to the doctor for? In the hospital this Wednesday again, and I had to be put on steroids so I could be able to breathe alone. It was clogging your sinuses. Okay, let's pray. Everything is clear in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Everything in the lungs, everything. Be healed in Jesus' name. God, we take you at your word. Spirit of infirmity, looser now in the name of Jesus. Can you sense any difference yet or is it the same? Just tell the truth. The same or different, better word? What are you feeling right now? You feeling a tightness? In the name of Jesus, loose it right now. Loose it. Open up the lungs. Open up the lungs. Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, God. Right now. Saying better words. Feeling the breathing get better? Amen. Just put your hand over her chest. Just right there. Amen. Jesus, do it. We thank you for better, but we want it all the way gone. Oh, Jesus. Woo. Be healed. We curse that infection. I curse it. I curse the infection in the name of Jesus. Recover right now. God, do what the steroids couldn't do. Do it right now. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of infection, be broken. You're our healer. You're our healer. You're our healer, Lord. Rababa. Jesus. Jesus. Take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Let's just take a deep breath by faith. Is it better, worse, or the same? Done. It's done in Jesus' name. I felt His presence. It's done. So you felt, amen, so you felt your lungs clear? Yes. I feel the burning all over my body. Jesus. You feel the fire of God? Yes. I Father, never let it come back in Jesus' name. Never, never, never. Let the fire bring total healing. Let the, let the disease never come back. In the name of Jesus. You got it. I believe it. Amen. Praise God. You want to praise God? Hallelujah. Here we go. Here's a healing right here. The lungs open. Amen. What do you need prayer for? What do you want prayer for? Migraines, allergies, and asthma. 
the whole shebang. It's probably all connected some way, right? I'm not a doctor. I don't understand that. But God knows, doesn't you believe He knows? Yes. He understands it. Father God, healer right now in Jesus' name. The sinuses, the migraines, everything. In the name of Jesus, go right now. No more infection, no more allergic reaction. Line it up right now. Be healed, Vicki, in Jesus' name. Every part of you be restored. God never intended that to be there. Let it go in the name of Jesus. Let it go. Just say, I'm healed. Believe it now. And receive it. Receive it. Did you come here with any symptoms? A headache. Did you, did it better or worse, the same? It's the same. It's the same? Okay. We're not discouraged by that, are we? We're not discouraged by a headache that stays the same. How many people know we're going to keep praying? You know so many times the devil wants us to stop praying? This could be her day. Do you believe that? One more prayer, that could be it. One more prayer brought her, her, her lungs opened up. By the way, you want to know why we lay hands on it and do it like this? The Bible commanded us to do it this way. The Bible commanded us to lay hands on the sick and, and do it with oil. Amen? We're going to pray for you one more time. It's for His glory. All you need is faith. And if it never happens, you're still going to love Him. So that's already taken care of. So let's believe it is going to happen. Amen? Right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed. We know it can and will happen. In Jesus' name. We have faith that the headache can go, that the pain must go, that the presence of God that brings fire to her soul that she feels in this time of worship can be the same presence that heals the mind, the brain, whatever is going on is the same fire. Let it come now. In the name of Jesus. Shandoreba kandorobokoteleba. In the name of Jesus, fire of God. Fire of God. Better, worse, same? Are you feeling it? You felt it go away? Yeah. Fire, a presence, a wind of love. Pressure is going away. Let's keep praying. Amen. Let's get it all to go away. All the pressure leave now in Jesus' name. Satan, you're a liar. Show Vicky, Father, that the devil's such a liar. Satan, you cannot take this healing from her. You cannot have this healing, Satan. It belongs to her. Jesus died to give you all the healing. All the healing. Sometimes God does it the way we're doing it now in stages because we need the, the faith. We need to increase. We need to believe. If you know it can happen, just take it all right now and say, God, I want it. I believe it. I receive it. Go in Jesus' name. Migraine never again. If He can heal leprosy, He can heal a headache. He can do it. He can do it. All the way. All the way. Never again. Is it still leaving? Or is it went to the same? Are you, so it's almost gone? I want you to pray for her right now until it goes. Keep praying for her. Let's give God glory for that. Come on. I, I don't care if it's a headache. I don't care if it's a cold. I don't even care if it's a broken fingernail. Your pastor can't do any of that, but God can. 
We can trust in the Lord. Anita, God heals you. Amen. Annette, God is doing things in your life. I heard you shouting, praise God. The headache is leaving. Somebody might say, well, well, pastor, you manipulate. You do that. Well, okay, thank God. At least the manipulation didn't, you know, she didn't have to take an aspirin. And we know that doesn't work. Come on. It's all Jesus. You know, but people will say those dumb things. We can see more than this. Find that little person carrying their little walker down the street tomorrow and bring them here. Find that person wheeling themselves on a wheelchair and bring them here. Find somebody that's terminally ill and bring them here. Can we have enough faith that in this house more people can get healed? You don't have to come back tomorrow. But I just want to know, do you want to? I want you to come back because we can see this. Tomorrow morning we're going to see it. Let's never give this up. And pretty, 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 pretty please find somebody with a demon. Just one. Just one. Just be like to your friend, hey, come to church with me. Why do you want me to come to church? No, just, just come. You'll figure out when you get there. All of a sudden they're in church. Ah! That's why I wanted you to come. To get free. Better or worse the same? Amen. Let's give God one more hand clap of praise for healing in the house. Glory a Dios. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray in dismissal tonight. Father God, we thank you for bringing us here. I see Robin standing over here. Robin, why don't you just bless the congregation tonight. Bless everyone that came. Bless them that got healed. And let's just pray we can do this all again tomorrow for the rest of our lives and individually wherever we go. We praise your name, Lord God. We magnify your name, Lord God. Without you, Lord God, we are nothing, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for today, Lord God. We thank you for the healings, Lord God. We thank you tomorrow, Lord God. There will be more healings. There will be whatever, Lord God, is in your will, Lord God. There will be 2020 vision. Praise the Lord. There will be wheelchairs coming, Lord God. Jesus, in your name, Lord God, people will be healed. People will be Demons will be cast out, Lord God. People will be free in your name, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God. And we know it is you, Lord God, and only you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And just bless us today, Lord God. Bless us tonight as we go home, Lord God. Protect us and keep us, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, let us not forget you and only you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Slap somebody high five and say, God bless you. There's more. There's more. There's more. Have a wonderful day or evening. We'll see you tomorrow. Inshallah.